welcome to this week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you'd like to contribute to the running costs or have any comments regarding the recordings, please pop a note in your wallet or give us a ring at Colin Chance House. I'm Sally Rowe and Ian and Rianne will be reading with me and John is our sound engineer. We will be covering news from Friday, February the 4th, up until and including Thursday, February the 10th. We'll start with the headline stories, then some general items of interest, followed by the sporting highlights, and the obituaries will be at the end of the recording. The thought for the week is from Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, today the sunrise was at 7.35 and sunset at 12 minutes past five. So I'll now pass you over to Rianne who will give you some useful phone numbers. Thank you, Sally. Here in Wilds Lane, 01905 767 766. Police Non-Emergency 101 Crime Stoppers 0800 555 1 Worcester Hub 01905 765 765 Worcester Live 01905 611 427 Malvern Theatres 01684 892 277 out of hours medical services, treble one. And the free phone number for the Samaritans, double one six one two three. Ian will now give you some ideas of things to do in the area this week. Thank you, Rianne. Next weekend, one of the commandery's most popular events will be returning. On Saturday and Sunday, February the 12th and 13th, the Commandery in Sidbury, Worcester, will be bringing history to life with a weekend of living history encampments, music and dance, period drill displays, Second World War military vehicles and more. The event is organised in partnership with the Worcester reenactors. Visitors will be taken through a living history timeline from the medieval era right up to the 20th century. Helen Manning, Commandery Events Officer, said, We can't wait to celebrate the Commandery's 2022 reopening and kick off an event-filled year with this one-of-a-kind weekend. The Commandery will have quirky characters around every corner and the beautiful spacious building and gardens are the perfect settings. Come along and join the fun. The weekend plans are packed with indoor and outdoor entertainment, including medieval music, Elizabethan dance, as well as displays of memorabilia and arms from through the ages. There will also be immersive displays, 
such as cookery from the Middle Ages, scary Civil War surgery, traditional craft demonstrations and vintage vehicles. The commandery is one of Worcester's oldest buildings, most famous for being the Royalist headquarters during the Battle of Worcester, 1651. Worcester residents can buy an annual ticket for the commandery, which includes entry to living history and many other exciting events throughout the year for just £7 or £19 for a family ticket. A spokesperson from the commandery added, During half-term week, families can spring from the past into the future with spectacular Space Week for some space-themed messy play, space shuttle and planet picture-making and a constellation projector workshop. Sessions take place from Tuesday to Thursday, February the 22nd to 24th at 10.30am and 2pm and need to be pre-booked. A military history enthusiast from Evesham, who is giving a series of talks in Worcester, has announced a venue switch. Tim Barney's first talk, entitled Mad, Bad and Dangerous, Military Ideas and Inventions That Didn't Make the Grade, took place at Henry Sandon Hall. Tim will be giving two further talks, which will now take place at Huntingdon Hall, Most Secret, Deaf at Airfield, and The Story of Airborne Radar on Tuesday, February the 15th at 7.30pm, and Interceptor, Fighter Aircraft Development during the Second World War, on Tuesday, March the 22nd, also at 7.30pm. An Evesham resident, since 1995, Tim retired from a career in the IT industry in 2018 and since then has been writing and delivering talks about mainly military subjects for clubs and societies around the UK. Tim said, Ever since I can remember, I've been fascinated by military history and technology and like any enthusiast, I always wanted to share my passion with the people around me. Retirement has given me the opportunity to pass on some of the amazing facts and stories I've come upon over the years. As anyone will discover when they listen to one of my talks, military history is definitely not just for military history fans. All my talks are designed to appeal to men and women from every walk of life. Some technical jargon is sometimes unavoidable, but don't worry, I always translate this into everyday language. And if there are any other loose ends, I'm always happy to take questions afterwards. In all cases, tickets are priced at £8.50 and are available from worcestertheatres.co.uk. Now moving on to Morven Theatre... Uh, there is a production of the play What I Wrote, one of the biggest comedy hits ever. This is being uh, performed from Monday the 14th to Saturday the 19th of February in the Festival Theatre. Evening performances are at 7.30pm, Wednesday and Saturday matinees at 2.30pm. Uh, the box office number is 01684 
89227. Now coming back to Worcester, to the Swan Theatre. Uh, firstly, The King of Swing is being presented, starring Ray Quinn on Thursday, February the 17th at 7.30pm. This concert spectacular celebrates the fabulous music and tells the incredible story of the world-famous Rat Pack. Casablanca film screening is being presented on Saturday the 18th of February at 10.30am. Come and see this classic 1942 film in an intimate screening at Henry Sandon Hall. During World War II, Rick, a nightclub owner in Casablanca, agrees to help his former lover, Ilsa, and her husband. Lastly, The Man Who Thought He Knew Too Much is being presented at the Swan on Tuesday, February the 15th at 7.30pm. Chaplin meets Hitchcock meets Spaghetti Western in this fast-paced whodunit. And now the headline news for the week. Starting on Friday, February the 4th, They Stole My Puppy at Knife Point. <clears throat> A woman has claimed her puppy was stolen at knife point. Natalia Milan says her nine-week-old puppy Lola was taken from her home by three people, one of whom she believes she knows. Natalia said she and partner Ryan Edward were left shaken when two men and a woman took the dog at knife point and she is desperate to know where her puppy is now. Natalia said, We were both just sat at home and heard the buzzer. When my partner opened the door, a woman I know came upstairs with two big men and started harassing me based on an ongoing, ongoing issue I had with her. She then said that she was taking our dog from us. She picked Lola up and started walking away. My partner tried to grab the dog back, but the two men that were with her held knives to us, telling us to stay back and slashed my car tyres as they were leaving. Lola, a French bulldog, was taken from Sky Court near Checkett's Lane. Natalia said, We are very shaken up by the incident, but we are more scared for the dog's safety as she is just a puppy. We'd only had her 11 days before she was taken from us. Lola is microchipped and the couple have reported the theft to West Mercia Police. They have also shared posters over social media and used the lost and found dog website doglost.com. Co.uk. A spokeswoman for West Mercia Police said, Police received a report following an aggravated burglary at a home in Sky Court, Worcester, on Sunday, the 30th of January. At around 6.20, three people visited the home and threatened a woman with a knife. The woman was not injured, but her puppy was stolen. A woman was arrested and was subsequently been de-arrested. A 33-year-old man from Wensbury has been arrested and bailed. Our investigations are ongoing, and if anyone has seen Lola, the French bulldog puppy, please contact us on our police website, quoting incident number 5051 of 30th of January. 
We would like to reassure the public that this is an isolated incident with no threat to the wider community. Saturday, February the 5th and Sunday, February the 6th. Footing the bill. What your MPs claimed for second home utilities. The county's MPs have claimed more than £4,000 for utility bills on expenses in the last two years. Expenses figures show £4,064 has been claimed by the three South Worcestershire MPs since April 2019 to cover the cost of utility bills at their second homes. More than half of the money was claimed by West Worcestershire MP Harriet Baldwin, who received £2,130 to pay for utility bills between 2019 and 2021. Ms Baldwin claimed £819 for water, gas and electric bills in 2021 and £1,311 in the previous year, on top of £2,424 for council tax according to the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, the IPSA. Mid Worcestershire MP Nigel Huddleston claimed for £874 in bills in 2020 to 21 and a further £959 the year before. Mr Huddleston also claimed for £22,121 in rent in 2020-21 as well as £1,877 for council tax and £344.50 for his phone bills. Worcester MP Robin Walker claimed for a £57 electric and £44 water bill when working from home in 2020-21. The claims for utility bills are on top of 9900 handed to Mr Walker for rent in the last year, as well as more than £400 for phone bills. Mr Walker said... To be honest, I think the cost of what we are allowed to claim on are there because it is a property that you need to run in order to do your job. I think it's about enabling MPs to do their jobs. I don't think it's because we want to be living in two places and claiming bills. Obviously, I have never claimed a penny on my property in London, which would be the more expensive property to support. And I've always tried to keep my expenses claims as low as possible, which I think is demonstrated by the fact that that they have consistently been low. What I would say is that I don't think it's a directly comparable situation. Miss Baldwin said, As an MP, I am required to live both in the constituency and central London to carry out my duties in Worcestershire and Westminster. Therefore, I have two sets of utility bills. IPSA independently verifies these expenses and reimburses me for one of these sets of bills as they would be for anyone who is required to live away from home for their work. Mr Huddleston did not respond to a request for comment. Monday, February the 7th. Food hygiene standards dropping. The head of the team which carries out food hygiene inspections has said standards have dropped in the county recently. Helen Cameron is Worcestershire Regulatory Services Food Hygiene Principal Officer, heading the team which carry out inspections of businesses looking at standards in the handling of food, how food is stored, how food is prepared, cleanliness of facilities and pest control, 
how food safety is managed and evidence staff know about food safety. Mrs Cameron said while the majority of county businesses are trying to get it right and manage their food safety really well, a trend had emerged. The Worcester News has also recently reported on a growing number of one-star rated venues in Worcester where major improvement is necessary. Among those now listed as having one-stars is AK General Foods Limited, Age UK Worcester and District Lunch Club in Bilford Court, Lifestyle Express in Kilbury Drive, the Admiral Rodney at Barrow Green in Martley, Yours Pizza Bite, Little India in Ronxwood Hill, Happy Taste in Orchard Street, and Onosso Cafe in London Road. Mrs Cameron said, There has been a national trend of a drop in standards which is now being seen here. It will have been due to the pandemic. During the pandemic, the Food Standards Agency, FSA, stopped us making visits. We think standards dipped because we dropped a visit in our usual cycle. There is no excuse. A lot of it is about cleaning. Paperwork is important. For example, it shows your suppliers to make sure food is safe. It is so important. If you had a zero rating, you won't get on the platforms, the Just Eats and Deliveroo, and lower scoring businesses appear further down on their apps. Mrs Cameron said as part of inspections, they also go out and collect food samples and take swabs. The samples are showing the same as food hygiene scoring. There is a drop in standards, Mrs Cameron said. We're getting more poorer samples than we've had for quite some time. Mrs Cameron said while it was disappointing there is still a very high level of compliance and they had good relationships with county businesses, with some even contacting them to highlight it had been a while since their last inspection. We are hoping it is short-lived. Everybody has had a rough time over the past few years, especially in the hospitality sector, she added. Tuesday, February the 8th. Lights on, but nobody working. Frustrated drivers said it was an absolute joke. Temporary traffic lights were left in place on a busy road despite no roadworks. Long queues of traffic built up along Bilford Road over the weekend caused by the temporary lights on the canal bridge near Purdiswell Leisure Centre. However, Worcestershire Highways has revealed the temporary traffic lights were intentionally kept in place despite Cadent Gas not carrying out any further work. Roadworks had taken place to fix a gas leak, but the lights, safety barriers and cones had remained after the work had finished. There were reports of up to 100 cars stuck in the traffic at one point, with a frustrated resident calling it an absolute joke. Resident Anna Wallace was stuck at Wandsworth Avenue trying to turn right into traffic that had built up along the main road on Sunday afternoon. She said, We were sat there for ten minutes queuing to get off the Blankets estate. What an absolute joke. There was no work being done on the bridge, but still there are traffic lights. I'd say they have got to have been there for at least a month. The stupid thing is that there aren't even any holes in the road now. 
It is just still coned off with lights. It's been a nightmare being a resident and with school runs in the morning. The temporary traffic lights were removed from the bridge at 8pm on Sunday. A spokesman for Worcestershire Highways explained it had to allow the area to ventilate before removing the traffic lights and cones. Unfortunately, there are always long periods of inactivity with gasworks. They attend if there is gas, they seek as highest reading and fix it. They then have to leave the site and allow it to vent before returning. There have been multiple leaks at this site. The works by Cadent Gas had been programmed until Tuesday, January the 25th, but ran into complications. They were further extended until Friday, February the 4th, and then extended again until yesterday. A Cadent Gas spokesman said, Our teams responded to a report of a smell of gas in the area and traced it to this section of pipe under Bilford Road. Work was completed quickly to make everything safe. It was made safe, but further repair work was needed. The team was called to respond to another urgent gas escape elsewhere in the region. We had to give priority to that. So we apologise that this created an inconvenience locally, but hope people understand our absolute priority is to keep everything safe. Wednesday, February the 9th. Firefighters mourning Matt's loss. Tributes have been paid to a firefighter who died when his motorbike and a car crashed on the A38 in Droitwich. On-call firefighter Matt Lee has been described as an amazing person and kind-hearted and hilarious by friends and colleagues. The 35-year-old died following a crash on the A38 Roman Way eastbound towards the Chateau Impney in Droitwich shortly after 7.10pm on Sunday. Mr Lee's Sinis Apache motorcycle left a lay-by and crashed with an Audi A1. A spokesman for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said, We can confirm that tragically a male firefighter returning home died following an RTC on the evening of 6th February 2022 near Droitwich. We send our condolences to his family, to whom we are giving every possible support. Y Forest Fire Station posted a Facebook message which read, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service have today announced the tragic death of Wye Forest Fire Station on-call firefighter Matt Lee. Our thoughts and condolences are with Matt's family and friends and all his fire service family. Friends and colleagues have responded paying tribute to Mr Lee. One said, Terrible loss. Such an amazing person who I can say I had the honour of working with will be missed greatly. Another person added, So sad. Such an amazing person. Kind-hearted and hilarious with it. Totally gutted. Thoughts and condolences are with his family, friends and crew. R.I.P. Matt. Simon Jelfs, Red Watch Commander at Wire Forest, tweeted, Sad and tough day for us all today. R.I.P. Firefighter Matt Lee. Hereford and Worcester Fire Brigade's Union said in a statement, Today we mourn the loss of our brother, Matt Lee. Our thoughts are with his family and friends at this sad time and we encourage anyone who has been affected to reach out for support. Matt was a strong FBU member and represented members at Wire Forest Fire Station. We will remember him always and he will be sadly missed. 
Members of the public rushed to give Mr Lee CPR following Sunday night's crash. He sustained serious injuries and was transferred to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham where he later died. Officers would like to hear from anyone who was travelling on the A38 at the time and may have witnessed the incident or have dash cam footage which may have captured it. Anyone with information or footage is asked to visit www.westmercia.police.uk dash tua dash tell us about or call 101 quoting incident number 520i of february the 6th 2022 alternatively you can speak to the independent charity crime stoppers on 0800 555 one. thursday february the 10th crackheads kill or kidnap raid A crackhead couple burgled two flats armed with a knife and a baseball bat during a terrifying kill-or-kidnap raid. Anthony Hannay and Cleo O'Donnell believed one of the flats in St John's, Worcester, contained a safe, but burgled the wrong flat, waking up a lone woman before ransacking her property and locking her in. She thought they were going to kill or kidnap her, and she is still in shock, said Judge Nicholas Cole, who jailed both burglars, ruling they were dangerous. The couple, both addicted to crack cocaine, then carried out another burglary at a downstairs flat in the same building, where they found the safe they had been looking for, Hannay cutting the male victim of the burglary by striking him to the head with a knife. Hannay, 34, of no fixed abode and on licence at the time, was jailed for seven years at Worcester Crown Court. O'Donnell, 22, of Oldbury Road, Worcester, who stuck her tongue out on her police custody photo, had to be told to stop vaping in the video link booth of her HMP Eastwood Park before the judge came into court. O'Donnell who was on a community order at the time, was jailed for seven years and four months. Both defendants had admitted two counts of aggravated aggravated burglary and one of false imprisonment following the burglaries on January the 10th. Andrew Davidson, prosecuting, said the burglary was planned and they went armed with weapons to confront the victim. Violence was threatened and violence was used, he said. The woman living in an upstairs flat had left the door unlocked because her partner, who was away on night shift, had forgotten his key. Mr Davidson said, at about 6am she was awoken by the two defendants in her bedroom. Mr Hannay was holding a baseball bat, Cleo O'Donnell a knife. They initially told her, We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to do anything. We just want to know where the safe is. The victim told them, We don't have a safe. I don't know what you mean. Mr Davidson said the pair were getting frustrated and O'Donnell held the knife in front of the victim's face, saying, I don't trust her. I don't believe her. She's too calm. Her phone was taken so she could not call police and she was locked inside the flat. The victim managed to raise the alarm by contacting her partner on an iPad. 
They shouted if she called the police they would kill her, said Mr Davidson. They stole an iPhone valued at £390, two laptops each valued at £150, a PlayStation 5 valued at £600, a watch, a ring and a gold tie clip. The duo went downstairs and confronted a male in another flat, waking him up at about 6.15am. Before he knew what was happening, both defendants had entered his bedroom, Mr Davidson said. By now they had swapped weapons, Hannay with the knife and O'Donnell with the baseball bat, as they shouted, Where's the safe? Where's the money? Where are the Rolexes? Mr Davison said the victim described both burglars as appearing like crackheads. Hannay struck the victim to the top of the head, which caused a small two-inch wide cut which bled heavily. The victim opened the safe, knowing there was nothing of value inside. The pair stole his wallet, which contained £20, an iPhone, an iPad and a jar containing 20 to £30. He later found his phone with a shattered screen. Both defendants were traced via their mobile phones to the travel lodge in Cathedral Plaza, where they were, where they were arrested, answering no comment in interviews. And now for some items of general news. A former New College Worcester student says roads around the school appeared to be no safer than they were 40 years ago. Tom Walker, who attended what was then Worcester College for the Blind between 1976 and 1984, said recent reports of near misses involving current students were all too familiar. I remember nearly being wiped out one Sunday morning Sunday morning by a motorbike that was travelling up London Road away from town at some speed, he said. Given that there's a school for visually impaired young people in that part of Worcester, it's incredible that the authorities continue to fail to tackle the appalling road safety problem in that area. New College Worcester has warned that its students are in grave danger because of dangerous driving near the school and launched a road safety campaign calling for drivers to kill your speed, not a blind child. One Year 11 student told how he had to be pulled out of the road as a car sped past during a mobility lesson. NCW has also released a video showing the moment a car ran a red light just as a visually impaired student was about to step into the road. It would appear little has changed in relation to road safety in Worcester over the past 30 years, said Mr Walker, who has worked in communications in local and central governments and is a reporter for the BBC. Fortunately, owing to the excellent mobility training students received at the time, and despite the road safety issues around the college, there were remarkably few road accidents. I can, however, remember one guy being run over in Spetchley Road in late 1983. Fortunately, he wasn't seriously injured. At the time, the traffic at the top of London Road was pretty wild. As drivers reached that part of the city, they seemed to put their foot down. Worcestershire County Council said it has made improvements to a pedestrian crossing on Whittington Road near the college and is continuing to liaise with NCW police and local councillors on the issue. Cucumber is going viral. 
A slice of cucumber in a terrarium has helped a Worcester postman go viral on TikTok, racking up 16 million views. Ben Newell's video on his Worcester terrarium's TikTok page shows what happens when a slice of cucumber is added to a terrarium. Slowly, creepy crawlies come out of hiding to munch on the slice of cucumber, leaving viewers fascinated and some a little horrified. Mr Newell from the Arboretum said he has now been inundated with orders for his terrarium since the clip went viral. The Royal Mail worker said, I've had a lot of orders come through, so I'm a bit overwhelmed with that, but it is a good thing. I'm having to decline orders from the USA and around the world. At the start of the year, I made it a priority to put more TikTok content out. I did a lot of studying about how to make engaging short-form videos, and I think it just worked on this occasion. It's just exploded. Last I checked, it was on 15 million, which I never expected. When I went to bed after uploading it, it was already on 250,000, and then when I woke up, it had 5 million. Mr Newell's followers have also jumped from about 11,000 to more than 120,000. He tends to get around 100,000 to 250,000 views on his TikTok page and also runs a successful Instagram page too, where one reel has racked up 3 million views. The viral video also means he is now eligible for the Creator Fund and may receive payments for his contributions. He thinks the reason why his video has proved popular is because it has, it has a hook – I put, watch what happens when you put a slice of cucumber in a terrarium so people have a reason to watch the video to the end. As the video goes on, more strange-looking creatures come crawling out. 99% of the comments have been very positive. A few people have been freaked out. But I think it is quite a curious thing to watch. There were six coronavirus deaths and a rise in the number of COVID patients in Worcestershire hospitals during the last week, latest NHS figures show. The latest data reveals the six deaths recorded for county hospitals came in the week up to February the 4th. Five of the deaths came at Worcestershire Acute Hospital's NHS trust sites, Worcestershire Royal Hospital, the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch and Kidderminster Hospital, with the Trust's total moving to 942. Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust saw a COVID-19 death, its total moving to 66. The six deaths announced means in total there have been 1,008 COVID-related deaths in county hospitals during the pandemic. Latest NHS data shows a rise in the number of people in hospital with COVID-19, with 83 recorded on February the 4th, including five people in intensive care. In comparison, on January the 28th, there were 71 people in Worcestershire hospitals with COVID-19 and five people in intensive care. Meanwhile, there has been a slight fall in the number of coronavirus cases overall in Worcestershire, Public Health England, PHE figures show. The latest figures show there were 7,163 cases in the week up to January the 30th, a drop of 0.6% on the previous week. 
Worcester saw a rise of 12.5% in the seven days to January the 30th, with 1,579 cases. Malvern Hills saw a rise of 26.2% in the seven days, with 944 cases. Witchhaven, which includes Evesham and Droitwich, was down 8.4%, to 1,457 cases. Redditch was down 4.5% to 997 cases. Wire Forest, which includes Kidderminster, was down 8.7% to 1,129 cases. And Bromsgrove had a fall of 10.7% to 1,057 cases. The latest vaccination figures up to February the 3rd show 87.2% of Worcestershire adults have had a first dose of a COVID vaccine, 82.4% have had a second, while 68.1% have had a booster. A photo of the Queen taking a walk in Worcester is one of the eight new stamps released to celebrate the Platinum Jubilee. Elizabeth II will mark her 70th anniversary on the throne on February the 7th as she becomes the first British sovereign in history to reach such a milestone. To commemorate the occasion, the Royal Mail have issued eight new stamps featuring photographs of the monarch throughout her reign. One of the photos shows the Queen on a walkabout in Worcester in April 1980. Simon Thompson, Chief Executive of Royal Mail, said... These stamps are a celebration of the second Elizabethan age and a tribute to a remarkable lifetime of duty and public service. We are honoured to be releasing them to mark the occasion of the first Platinum Jubilee in the UK's history, a momentous occasion ranging from 1957 to 2020. The earliest photo shows the young Queen alongside the Duke of Edinburgh as the pair smile and wave during a tour of Washington, D.C. Some of the other stamps include the Queen during a visit to the MI5 headquarters in February 2020, touring the Provincial Museum of Alberta, Canada in May 2005, and saluting in uniform and on horseback during the 1978 Trooping the Colour. The Queen's silver, golden and diamond jubilees were also marked with special stamp issues. None of the new set includes the silhouette of the Queen normally required on special stamps. As the Royal Mail say, the use of the Queen's image removed the need for all the silhouette. While the Queen's accession day falls on February the 6th, national celebrations are being held on a special four-day bank holiday weekend in June. The monarch is currently staying on the Sandringham estate, where she will remain for the anniversary, which simultaneously marks the death of her father, George VI, and the moment she became queen in 1952. The stamps can be bought separately, and there is also a range of collectible products, all of which are available today at 7,000 of our post office branches. Hundreds gathered to watch the dramatic lion dance as the people of Worcester celebrated Chinese New Year in flamboyant fashion. Crowds assembled outside the hive in Sawmill Walk to watch the spectacle, which was free for all to enjoy. 
The traditional dance symbolises the ritual banishment of evil spirits and is designed to usher in a year of success and good fortune, which perhaps resonates even more powerfully in the wake of the pandemic. Ordinarily, the performance takes place outside the Guild Hall in the High Street, but the Hive proved an equally auspicious backdrop to the lively and vividly coloured ritual marking the ear of the tiger. Organised by the Worcestershire Chinese Association, the celebrations began at around noon with a thunder of drums and a face-off between two larger-than-life lions who prowled about the crowd, greeting children who watched spellbound in the front row. A lion even scaled a purpose-built structure outside to welcome children inside the hive itself, who were peering at at the dance from an upstairs window. The use of the concourse outside the hive was something of an experiment as organisers had wanted to try something different. Introductions were made by H.J. Colston Ing, acting as a host, who told the crowds, thank you for coming and enjoy yourselves. Mrs. Colston Ing, an executive member of the association, said, China was a huge country and there was much to be learned from studying its people, language, culture and traditions. We hope many of you will be inspired to learn about China, she said. Wearing a traditional red Chinese dress, she also greeted the crowd and wished them all a happy Chinese New Year in Mandarin. Chairman Frankie Zhang introduced the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Stephen Hodgson, and his wife, Councillor Lucy Hodgson, herself a former mayor. The mayor said the lion dance was always one of the highlights of the year in Worcester. Mr. Sangs told the crowds that the tiger symbolised ambition, courage and strength. We all need that during Covid. We will weather through it to better times ahead, he said. Speaking after the dance, he said, Traditionally, the Chinese lion dance is to welcome in the new year and frighten the evil spirits away. Attendance, he said, had surpassed expectations. Mr. Sang, involved with the association for the last 20 years, also said the golden building of the hive provided an iconic backdrop to the dance and in China, gold was considered a symbol of wealth and success. The dance itself was performed by members of the Kui Di Tang Seven Stars Praying Mantis Kung Fu School based in Ombersley Road, Worcester. James Rodriguez from the school said, Traditionally, the Chinese lion dance is performed to ward off evil spirits and get rid of any negative energy. And the opposite side of that is it also brings good luck and good fortune. The dance was organised in partnership with the University of Worcester and Christopher Whitehead Language College. There were songs, dramatic displays and violin performances throughout the afternoon. The new apartments at the city's former fire station have secured their first buyer. Ruth Meacham, project manager for a software developer, will be one of the first residents to move into Worcester's iconic old fire station in Copenhagen Street. She said, I used to work in Worcester many years ago and I've always loved the city. I've wanted to move to a centre apartment for ages and I'm very excited with the thought of my new city pad right in the middle of Worcester. I was looking all over the country for the perfect pad and have now found an apartment which just happened to be near where I grew up and worked. 
My criteria has always been to live in a renovated development that has a genuine personality rather than a total new build, and of course to have the fabric for a vibrant community life. Developer Guthrie Roberts is regenerating the city's former fire station into a mix of residential and commercial use. It will include 28 luxury contemporary apartments with a mixture of one, two and three bedrooms. Residents will be able to enjoy a city garden for residents, external walkway and a courtyard for private parking. Ben Roberts, managing director of Guthrie Roberts, said, We have had tremendous interest in this project and we are delighted we have already sold all but one apartment off plan during the first phase of the project. Our plans carefully consider parking, green space and sustainability, encompassing a landscape, city garden and electric car charging. It's easy to see why so many people are interested in this most fantastic of buildings. Our show apartment is due to open in mid-February. It has been great to see the basis of a new community forming at the old fire station. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals have thanked all of their catering teams across their hospitals. They tweeted the celebration and their gratitude. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals said, We gave a big hashtag thank you Thursday today to the catering team in each of our hospitals. Our catering teams work very hard to keep everyone well fed and went above and beyond this Christmas period to support the offer of free meals for colleagues across their hospitals. Thank you. Two good Samaritans stopped rush hour traffic to save a dog hit by a car who had run three miles away from home. Small Terrier had escaped from Wilds Lane and made its way to Ombersley Road, Northwick, where it was frantically darting in and out of traffic on Tuesday night. Sky Rose and a mystery man swung into action to save the dog, with the man even sacrificing his wolf's jacket to safely capture the pet. It was hit by a car and taken to MacArthur Barstow and Gibbs Veterinary Clinic by Miss Rose, wrapped in the mystery man's jacket. Fortunately, the dog escaped with a bruised face and sore paws, but was otherwise OK. Miss Rose, who lives off Droitwich Road, said, I was coming out of the co-op and saw something running in front of the traffic. I thought it was a cat at first and then realised it was a little dog. It was running and running. Everyone tried to call it, but it would dart into the road in front of cars. It was awful. When it got hit by the car, it was really distressing. It was lucky it just hit the corner of the bumper because it could have been a lot worse. Worried for the dog's safety, the 29-year-old got into her car and followed it slowly up Bombersley Road. The mystery man, who was driving behind, realised what was going on and pulled in front of Miss Rose to try to reach the dog. Miss Rose pulled into the middle of the road to stop traffic so the pair could reach the dog. Eventually, the dog ran into a garden and the pair parked their cars and followed it. As the dog tried to nip the man, he managed to get the jacket over the dog to pick him up and hand him over to Miss Rose. Because of the trauma, I put the jacket in the boots with the dog and took it to the vets. I handed the dog over wrapped in the jacket and a blanket and staff said they could wash them both, which is when I realised. The dog has now been reunited with its owner and Miss Rose has put an appeal on Facebook to find the man so she can reunite him with his red wolf's jacket. 
He has called MacArthur Barstone Gibbs Veterinary Clinic in Ombersley Road to pick up the jacket. Miss Rose added that she would be contacting the vets to make sure they say thank you to him. He was an absolute star, she added. A new council role will be set up to encourage more people to ditch their cars and start cycling. Worcester City Council wants to spend £100,000 on hiring a dedicated active travel officer over three years, whose role would be to beat the drum for walking and cycling around the city. The holder of the new role would be expected to support and develop walking and cycling projects in Worcester, champion the city's various bike hire and cycling to work schemes, and promote existing routes and help design new ones. The plan was backed by the Council's Health and Wellbeing Committee at a meeting in the Guildhall on Monday, February 8th. Committee Chair Councillor Louise Griffiths said the new role would help push for more dedicated walking and cycling routes in Worcester in a bid to move away from relying on using inadequate canal towpaths. Worcester is tiny, it is a big town and you can walk from one end to the other in 20 minutes. We shouldn't be encouraging people to drive, we should be encouraging them to walk and cycle. Success for me would be getting more people out of their cars, less cars and less traffic. Success would be adequate walking and cycling provision from the County Council. Towpaths are great for pleasure rides with your family and walking, but it is not good for encouraging people to commute by bike, particularly in the mornings and late evenings in winter, she said. Councillor Lynn Denham said, Worcester is a compact, walkable city, but it doesn't always feel like that, and this role will help realise that more. Committee papers say the dedicated active travel role will work in a similar way to the Council's Environmental Sustainability Officer, a role created in the wake of the Council declaring a climate emergency in 2019, which has since helped develop a new environmental strategy for the Council to use for the next decade. Councillors have already agreed to set aside £50,000 on building and improving facilities at the Council's own buildings, including secure cycle parking and changing rooms at the Guildhall, Museum and Art Gallery in Fourgate Street, Astwood Crematorium and its Six Ways Depot to allow more staff to cycle to work. The Belmont Care Home in Worcester is gearing up to become a foundation partner for the Worcester Warriors Community Foundation to further support those in the community living with dementia. The Worcester Warriors Community Foundation first set up their Dementia Cafe in 2017 with the aim of providing a space for people within the community to meet, share support and get to know one another. The work that the foundation does is brilliant and the team at the Belmont are really looking forward to developing relationships with the founders of the initiative and to be part of the support network that their Dementia Café offers. The team at the Belmont are keen to ensure the Dementia Café's ongoing success as the initiative offers a multitude of benefits. 
The Foundation is looking to open four further venues and the Belmont is looking for f- forward to presenting its beautiful facilities as one of these venues for future Dementia Café events. Carol Hart, Warriors Foundation CEO, said, We are delighted to be able to work in partnership with the Belmont and excited to be able to offer our service users use of their five staff facilities for special occasions, which is enormously generous and demonstrates the Belmont's commitment to the wider community. We also welcome the Belmont residents to Sixway Stadium to join in with our Dementia Café on a regular basis. Shoe shop staff have put up signs asking for people not to use their shop front as a public toilet. Disgusted staff at pavers in the shambles have become so fed up with cleaning up pools of dried urine outside the shop they decided to put up signs. The sign, which reads, Please, this is not a public toilet, was put up a few weeks ago outside the shop which was formerly Jones Bootmaker and Else. But staff and campaigners think the lack of free public facilities open at night is forcing people sleeping rough to use the area as a toilet. Manager Brian McGaw said the issue had stopped since the signs had been in place, but they were ripped down earlier this week. He said, we have had homeless people sleeping in our doorway, which was using our entrance as a toilet. It hasn't happened for a couple of weeks since we have put the sign up and it seems to have stopped. When Cafe Nero is open, they will pop in there, but at night they will use our doorway as there is nowhere else to go. Staff have had to clean the area down every morning using bleach and water to get rid of the strong smell of urine. The smell of urine would hang around all day. It was really strong. It is also degrading for staff as they were having to go out every day and try to clean it with bleach. There are public toilets in the Corn Market and Angel Place. However, these cost 20p. Free toilets are available at the Guild Hall and Crowngate Shopping Centre but are closed at night. Instagram page Female Toilet Reviews posted pictures of the signs outside the shop. She posted, Maybe if there were more free public toilets around the city or temporary urinals for men and women on a night out, people wouldn't feel the need to wee on the shambles. If anyone has seen this toilet being used in the day, please let me know. The reviewer, who likes to remain anonymous, reviews public and customer toilets in Worcester, in an effort to improve the standards. A popular fish and chip restaurant is to open at the site of a former pizza hut forced to close during the pandemic. Mother Hubbard's famous fish and chips is coming soon at the former restaurant at Shrub Hill Retail Park in Worcester. A large sign is now displayed on the front of the premises. The first Mother Hubbard's Fish and Chips restaurant on Ingleby Road, Bradford, was completed at a cost of £92,000 in 1972. There are now Mother Hubbard restaurants all over Britain, many in northern England. Branches are based in Batley, Keithley, Oldham, Huddersfield, Leeds, Halifax, Wakefield, Blackburn and Leicester, with plans to open more branches in Coventry, Sheffield and Glasgow, Birmingham, Manchester, London and even Dubai. The restaurant's website said the first Mother Hubbard's was opened on May 3, 1972 by Coronation Street favourites Stan and Hilda Ogden. 
A spokesman said on the website, at that time fish and chips were served at just 45p per portion. We have a modern feel, but still with the traditional taste to take you back to your childhood memories. At Mother Hubbard's, we are passionate about great tasting food. We only use the finest Icelandic haddock and British potatoes to produce the crispiest battered fresh fish and golden chips. We reported in September 2020 how the Worcester branch of Pizza Hut was due to close after the chain named the 29 restaurants it was shut for good as part of a major restructuring. The announcement came days after rival Pizza Express approved the closure of 73 of its own sites, hitting 1,100 workers. We have asked Mother Hubbard to bring us more details about the new plans and services they will offer. Worcester News will bring you more information when we have it. A new avenue of lime trees will be planted at Worcester Racecourse as part of the Queen's Jubilee celebrations. The Worcestershire County Cricket Club captain will help to plant a series of Jubilee trees as part of Worcester becoming a Queen's Green Canopy, Champion City. Brett D'Olivera will join the Mayor of Worcester and members of the local community to plant the trees at Worcester Racecourse to restore an Edwardian Avenue on Friday. The QGC Champion Cities programme has been launched to celebrate some of the nation's outstanding cities which have trees and woodland as a central part of their plans for green spaces. Mr D'Olivera said, It is an honour to have been invited to join the Mayor of Worcester and students from the University of Worcester for the planting of trees in recognition of Her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. The restoration of the avenue reflects the aims of the City Council to become a carbon neutral by 2030. Councillor Stephen Hodgson, the Mayor of Worcester, said, It is a great honour for Worcester to be selected as a champion city as part of the Queen's Green Canopy. The city is known for its loyalty to the royal family and our reputation as a green city, one that enjoys more than 548 hectares of tree cover and nestles among some of the country's most beautiful countryside, is growing all the time. In 2022, Worcester will also plant trees at its seven Queen Elizabeth II fields in trust sites and hold a special planting ceremony at King George V playing fields named in memory of the Queen's grandfather. Generous shoppers in Worcester are being encouraged to help support an in-store fundraising campaign for three of the UK's leading health charities. Last year, Tesco's Helping You to Live Healthier campaign raised more than £1 million after customers rounded up their shop to the nearest pound at self-service tills. Money raised will help Cancer Research UK, the British Heart Foundation and Diabetes UK to continue their vital work to improve and save lives. As the charities fight back from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, Worcester shoppers are once again being urged to round up their shopping to the nearest pound at self-service tills until Sunday, February the 14th. In addition to the funds being raised, the campaign aims to increase awareness in Worcester about the importance of making sustainable lifestyle changes that can help people to lower their risk of cancer, heart and circulatory diseases and type 2 diabetes. 
Trusted health information and advice will be shared with Tesco customers to empower them to take small steps to help improve their health. Una Turnbull, Head of Health Campaigns at Tesco, thanked Tesco shoppers in Worcester for their generosity, which will make a significant difference to many people's lives. A pupil at St Barnabas Church of England Primary School has donated his pocket money to less fortunate children as part of a charity day at the school. Abid Shahazad, aged seven, has chosen to give his pocket money to the NSPCC to support children who need support. The donation was part of Numbers Day, a maths-inspired fundraising event at the Green Lane School. His teacher, Nicky Moore, said he's donated £10 of his own money because he wanted to give it to people who needed it more than him. Mum sent a little note in saying what he's decided to do. Children across the school have dressed up in clothes and accessories, decorated with numbers, math symbols and even the sentence, I love maths. Mrs Moore added, It's just been absolutely incredible. It's really, really empowered them with maths and it's made them so excited. Another challenge we had was for them to make a silver trail with the coins they brought in as well. My children actually made a spiral out of the coins and then afterwards in groups, they had certain silver coins in groups and they were adding them up and working out how much they'd got. They added it all up as a class to work out how much we contributed to the charity and so it raised their awareness of how money adds up and where the money's going as well. We've done a lot about why we need money and where money comes from and how we get money. So it's just been incredible. The children have really enjoyed themselves. A highways chief has provided an update on the flooded underpass of St John's Level Crossing. We previously reported people have been risking their lives running and cycling across a railway level crossing in Henwick Road as the underpass for pedestrians has been flooded for weeks. One resident told us, I've been complaining about this for weeks. It has been like this since before Christmas. Another said, People are running across the track as a result when the barriers are down. No one cares and it's unacceptable. On both sides of the underpass, tape has been put across preventing people walking down the steps to use the crossing. Network Rail has said it is exploring options for a short-term solution to remove the water as soon as possible. John Fraser, head of highways at Worcester County Council, said Network Rail has now accepted responsibility for this problem. They have advised me they will be visiting the site on Monday, February the 7th, with a specialist drainage contractor to pump out the flooded underpass and assess what further work needs to be done to clear any blockages in the drainage system. There is not too long left for people to take advantage of a popular waste disposal scheme in Worcester. There are just four weekends left in Worcester City Council's Saturday Skips scheme. The service is designed to provide a free local disposal point for residents who are unable to transport bulky household waste items to a household recycling centre, HRC. This weekend, February the 5th, the skip will be set up in Dines Green Community Centre, Gresham Road, from 8am until 12pm. 
After that, the skips will be set up in Waverley Street on February the 12th, 8am until 12pm. Weir Lane, Lower Wick on February the 19th, 8am until 12pm. And finally, at the car park in Tolodyne Road from 8am until 12pm on February the 26th. The Saturday skips are provided for bags of non-recyclable household waste and bulky items which will not fit into a wheelie bin but could be collected by the bin men if they were broken down to fit into the bin. These include furniture, wooden fence panels, broken large toys and play equipment. Scrap metal will be accepted for recycling. There is no limit to the amount of waste that will be accepted per customer and there is no booking system. Some items will not be accepted, however. These include electrical items, TVs and monitors, car batteries, oil, gas bottles, hardcore and rubble. Asbestos is not accepted. Residents should seek specialist waste management companies for advice regarding the removal, collection and disposal of asbestos. Commercial waste is not accepted. Businesses should seek advice from the City Council regarding the correct collection and disposal of business waste. Liquids are not accepted. Residents should use their local HRC or seek advice from a specialist waste management company. For the full list of items which are not accepted, go to www.worcester.gov.uk recycling waste Saturday skips. The Saturday skips were reintroduced last summer by Worcester City Council as part of a major drive to clean up the streets. At the time, council leader Mark Bayliss said, Worcester is a beautiful city, but there are things the public want to see improve, so one of our top priorities is cleansing the city. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service is urging people to clean their chimneys following a spate of fires. In December and January, there were a total of 19 fires caused by chimneys and wood burners. By getting your chimney swept, you can prevent damage and possibly fires too. Emma Roberts, the service's head of prevention, said, a typical sweep only takes about 90 minutes and doesn't make a mess. So if your chimney is overdue for a sweep, now is the time to get it done and not add to the list of chimney fires. Trying to get GP appointments in Worcester has been called impossible as residents share their frustrations on social media. However, the body that oversees Worcestershire GP practices says that doctor's surgeries are operating at pre-pandemic levels. In a recent post on Facebook from the Worcester News, we asked how easy the public find it to see a GP face-to-face. Claire Farley said, Nope, it's ridiculous. Then the receptionists all have achieved a medical degree during the pandemic and they are certain if you can get an appointment or require a callback. Corinne Lamas-Poole said, Literally impossible. Then, when you do get an appointment, they cancel at last minute. It's disgusting. Even children seem to be suffering. Even dentists are working, so why are doctors still refusing to see patients? Unless, of course, you want a booster. The latest NHS data shows fewer GP appointments were carried out in Herefordshire and Worcestershire in December than the previous month, as healthcare workers across England focused their efforts on the coronavirus booster jab rollout. 
NHS digital figures show 401,139 GP appointments were held across the NHS, Herefordshire and Worcestershire CCG area in December 2021. That registers as 17% fewer than November. However, the number is still 6% more than the 377,434 appointments which took place in December 2020. The figures also show that of the consultations held by Herefordshire and Worcestershire GPs in December, 57% were held face-to-face, down slightly from 60% a month earlier. GP teams were urged to free up capacity to deliver vaccinations after the government's booster jab campaign was ramped up in December. Some Facebook users defended their GP surgery. Paul Stephen Jones said, GPs are stretched beyond normal and yet everyone is quick to blame them. How about we blame the ones who can do something about supporting the health service? The 12 years of underfunding from this government perhaps? A spokesperson from NHS Herefordshire and Worcestershire CCG, which represents GP practices, said, General practice teams across Herefordshire and Worcestershire have continued to look after patients, delivering both face-to-face and telephone appointments, while at the same time supporting the government's COVID-19 booster programme throughout December. In December, general practice offered 401 1,139 appointments, which is 6% more appointments than December the previous year, 2020, and 10% up on December 2019. So activity is higher than pre-pandemic levels. The council has said it is working on ways to help young children take a dip during the summer holidays after plans to close the city's main pool for three months for repairs were confirmed. The pool at Perdiswell Leisure Centre in Worcester will close from June the 20th to September the 11th to replace slippy poolside tiles. Concerns were raised about how young people were expected to access swimming pools during the hottest months of the year. The cost of repairs and compensation for lost income has more than doubled to £620,000 so far. Councillor Joe Hodges said the rising cost and closure was regrettable, but the work needed to be done. Councillor Hodges also raised the issue of the council helping out young people find alternative facilities during the summer holiday closure, which Lloyd Griffiths, Corporate Director of Operations for Homes and Communities, said the council was looking into. The quality of the pool's tiles has been a reoccurring problem since opening in 2017 and was finally brought to a head last year with the council agreeing to fix the tiles after dozens of near misses. Worcester City Council has made the decision to close the pool in Bilford Road for three months from June to coincide with the summer holidays when it is said fewer people are swimming indoors. Councillor Jabba Riaz said the impact of closing the pool was huge and he wanted assurance that penalties would be handed out if the work was not finished on time. It's absolutely crucial that it's delivered on time and it's delivered right first time. We can't afford any slip-ups, he said to the Council's Policy and Resources Committee at a meeting in the Guild Hall on Tuesday, February the 8th. Last year, it was estimated by the Council that replacing the surface around the swimming pool and changing rooms would cost more than £180,000, 
but councillors are now being asked to support a £323,000 budget ahead of full council making a final decision in February. A claim for loss of income during last year's expected closure was predicted to rise to as much as 120000 but that has now increased to more than 320000 The number of councillors elected in the city could soon change under new plans. Worcester City Council has said it plans to stick with its current total of 35 councillors but would support a rise of up to 39 in the future. The shape and size of the authority is currently under review by the Local Government Boundary Commission for England for the first time in 20 years. Paying an extra four councillors a basic allowance will cost at least £18,000 a year. The review will look at the name, size and number of wards in the city, as well as the size of boundaries and the number of councillors. City Council leader Mark Bayliss said he would like to see the number of councillors remain the same and did not want to see it rise to 39. Our recommendation is that it stays broadly the same, he said. 36 or 33 would be my preference. I actually think about what we have now is what we need. I don't see a case for a radical number of councillors. If you ended up with the number of wards that is divisible by three, it could be as high as 39, but 35 is fine. We've had 35 or 36 for the last 40 years, and that is the number I will support. Changes the number of elections the City Council holds, which is also under review, could also shape the number of councillors the authority has in the future. City Council elections are currently held three years out of every four, with a third of its councillors elected each year. Discussions are now being held to decide whether to move to holding a single election once every four years, with all the seats being elected at the same time. If City Council elections remained in place for three out of every four years, the number of total councillors would have to be divisible by three. The draft report, which once voted on by councillors, will be sent to the Local Government Boundary Commission to form part of the review. The Council's Policy on Resources Committee meets 7pm on Tuesday in the Guildhall to discuss the plans. The M5 near Worcester is set to be hit by year-long roadworks and 50 mile an hour speed limits. National Highways confirmed that the roadworks will be taking place between Junction 6 and Junction 7 starting from Monday, February the 21st. The work consists of the replacement of a new concrete barrier that will run for 4.5 miles, replacing the existing steel restraint which has been in place for more than 20 years. Concrete barriers are designed to prevent traffic from crossing over into oncoming vehicles travelling in the opposite direction in the event of an impact. Colin Jackson, National Highways Project Manager, said, This £15 million safety upgrade is an integral part of keeping people safe on the M5 in Worcestershire. 
We know that the high-impact absorption design of concrete barriers significantly reduces the risk of vehicles colliding with traffic travelling on the opposite side of the road. By replacing the existing steel restraint in the central reservation, we're also able to reduce the need for ongoing maintenance to keep it safe, which means fewer roadworks in the location for routine maintenance. The works are part of a £15 million safety upgrade to the central reservation and will require a temporary speed limit of 50 miles an hour. During the work, National Highways will also be carrying out repairs to lighting and drainage on the road. To reduce disruption to motorists, most of the work will be carried out on the road using narrow lanes, ensuring the M5 remains open to drivers with three lanes of running traffic. To install the narrow lanes, there will be a series of overnight closures between Junction 5 and Junction 8. These will be in place as follows. M5 northbound Junction 7 entry and exit slip closed overnight on the 22nd of February, 21st of February and the 23rd of February, 8pm to 6am. The M5 northbound Junction 6 entry and exit slip road closed overnight on the 24th, 25th, 26th and 27th of February, 8pm to 6am. And the M5 northbound Junction 8 to Junction 5 closed overnight on the 5th of March and the 6th of March, 8pm to 6am. M5 southbound Junction 6 entry and exit slip closed overnight on the 28th of February, the 1st, 2nd, 3rd and 4th of March, 8pm to 6am. M5 southbound Junction 7, entry and exit slip road, closed overnight on the 7th and 8th of March, 8pm to 6am. And the M5 southbound Junction 5 to Junction 8, closed overnight on the 12th of March and the 13th of March, 8pm to 6am. During full closures of the M5 and slip road closures, a fully signed diversion route will be established by National Highways. Worcester's revamped Arches will have its first guests next week. Open days are to be held for local artists and creatives, offering the chance to get an early preview of the five refurbished spaces about to open as part of the £4.5 million project. The team behind the kiln, Copenhagen Street, have been appointed by Worcester City Council to manage and let the arches. Hamish Gill, co-founder of the kiln, said, We are keen to attract all types of creatives and artists to use the exciting new spaces that have been created. We don't want to pigeonhole what the shared spaces should be used for, so we're open to hearing from a broad variety of people and anyone who calls themselves an artist, whether that's a painter, a designer, a makeup artist, a tattoo artist or anyone else in the creative industries. There's a strong community of artists in Worcester and these open days will be a chance for them to come and see these sympathetically refurbished arches to tell us what their needs are and what facilities they would like to see. The open days at the arches between the Hive and Netherton Court will run from 9.30am to 4.30pm on Wednesday, February 9th and Monday, February 14th. Four of the arches are to be let to artists and creative businesses, whilst the fifth will be used as a performance space. 
The project aims to not only create a new cultural destination for the city, but will also provide a route connecting Forgate Street to the riverside. The work has been made possible thanks to a £3 million of funding from the Government's Cultural Development Fund, CDF. Under the terms of the CDF investment, the refurbished arches must be let for creative and artistic purposes only. All the work has been carried out by Worcestershire-based construction firm Speller Metcalf. Matthew Bailey, small works manager at Speller Metcalf, said, Speller Metcalf is delighted to have been a part of such a historically significant project that will benefit a variety of communities in Worcester. It is fantastic to see the potential of this space being realised with the upcoming open days and we hope the revitalisation of the arches. Worcester will be put to good use for many years to come. Uh, And now we have some sports items. It was a case of what might have been for Kidderminster Harriers as their FA Cup adventure came to an end in the cruelest of ways as Premier League side West Ham scored in the final minute of both normal time and extra time to progress. England midfielder midfielder and substitute Declan Rice rifled home an equaliser in the 92nd minute to send the game to extra time before Jared Bowen tapped home at the back post with the final kick of extra time to break Harrier's hearts. Kidderminster had taken a shock lead in the 20th minute of the game when right-back Alex Penny thrashed a loose ball into the back of the net to spark wild celebrations at Agborough. The Premier League side had to call on their star men in the second half as manager David Moyes was forced to bring the likes of Declan Rice and Thomas Susek on to save them. 113 league places separated the two sides ahead of kick-off, but there was little evidence of that in the first half, and Kiddy could have taken the lead in the 10th minute when captain Sam Austin fired a shot straight at keeper Alphonse Ariola. The away side were wasteful and reduced to shooting wildly from distance and then a sloppy pass in defence led to a free kick to Harriers. Sterling whipped it in and keeper Ariola made a mess of it and the ball fell to the feet of right-back Penny who did not hesitate in lashing it into the back of the net. West Ham had the likes of Jared Bowen, Andrei Yarmolenko and Nikola Vlasic up top, but not once did they create anything of note, and Hammer's boss Moyes turned to Declan Rice, Thomas Susek, and Aaron Cresswell to save the day. And it would be one of the subs that would finally break the resistance, with just 60 seconds left in stoppage time, as Rice charged forward into the kiddie half before beating a defender in the box and cutting back onto his right foot before rifling it into the roof of the net and send the tie to extra time. There was little to talk about in extra time, but with time all but out, another of the replacements proved decisive as Cresswell's low cross found Bowen at the back post and he could not miss, and the top flight outfit edged the most dramatic of cup ties. Steve Diamond believes his Worcester Warriors side were overworked prior to his arrival at the club. 
Lead rugby consultant Diamond said the club were overcompensating for results by training five or six times a week and that a reduction in hours on the training pitch could benefit them during games. In the training environment, they're really keen, he said. They were working very hard before I came in, training five or six times a week instead of two or three. So they're overworking because of the results, but you have to free these lads up. They have to have a certain amount of expression. They want to show they are entertainers, after all. You have to give them ability to express themselves, and you don't do that if they're knackered. Diamond was speaking after Worcester's 36-16 defeat to Leicester Tigers last Saturday, a game in which the new man in charge insisted there was no lack in spirit from his players, but he did admit his side were very much second best to the league leaders. The spirit and heart is all there, added the former Sale Sharks director of rugby. But often we're in the game, and then we are capitulated for two or three moments, which leads to the score getting away from us. But they're all things that can be fixed. We were spirited in the second half, and I thought if we could cut out the errors, we could have got something. But when you're under pressure, you make errors. We need to get them fitter. We have big games to come. It doesn't get any easier, but we will get better as we work together. Warriors will travel to Diamond's old club, Sale, this weekend, who have recently found their form on the last two years following a shaky start in 2021-22. Sale was a big part of me, but you move on, said Diamond. I'm not sure I would have wanted to take Alex Sanderson on in the corridors, but I'd probably win if I did. It will be as competitive as ever for the game, but I'm sure we will shake hands afterwards. It was a mixed weekend for Seven Stars, who opened the new Vitality Netball Super League season with a win and a defeat. Stars began their 2022 campaign with a 56-47 win against Surrey Storm on Saturday, but were then unable to keep pace with Manchester Thunder the following afternoon, going down 45-70. Round one saw Stars and Storm go head-to-head in round one, with both sides having struggled last season. There was nothing to separate the sides in the first quarter, which ended tied at 13 apiece, with a clinical display from both teams. The defensive duo of Lucy Herdman and newcomer Summer Artman made it difficult for Storm, with Northern Ireland international Michelle Drain linked through the court in the centre position. Stars captain Liana Liotta led her side to an early lead in the second quarter and when Nicole Humphreys took to court at wing defence, she made an immediate impact. Storm maintained the pressure, making a number of crucial interceptions. However, Stars didn't panic and maintained their composure, going in 25-23 ahead at the interval. Errors and turnovers from both sides characterised the start of the third quarter. Stars eventually took control, extending their lead to six goals halfway through the quarter, ending it 38-33 ahead. In the final quarter, player of the match, Paige Reed, kept Stars' spirits high with her pinpoint passes in the circle and high shooting percentage. Stars continued to apply pressure throughout court, keeping possession and making crucial turnovers when it mattered and maintained their intensity to the final whistle. 
Stars, a joint franchise between the University of Worcester and University of Gloucestershire, were back in action against Manchester Thunder the following day. Head coach Melissa Bessel made two changes to the starting lineup with Nicole Humphreys and Alicia New making up the centre court alongside Leota. After a goal by goal start, a crucial rebound from Thunder saw them take an early lead. Stars added a wealth of experience to the court with Katie Harris, Michelle Drain, and Dee Bolakoro taking to the court but Thunder shooters Joyce Mavula and Eleanor Cardwell ensured the scoreboard kept ticking over, ending the quarter 10-19 ahead. Thunder dominated the start of the second with several missed opportunities for Stars. Cardwell limped off the court, forcing Thunder to make changes, but they extended the lead to 19-38. Stars showed increased control throughout the court after the break and good movement in the attacking end with Reed and Harris linking well, ending the quarter 30-51 behind. Further changes for Stars included Artman, a goalkeeper, and Jane Taylor joining Reed in the shooting circle. Stars played a much more controlled second half, but ultimately Thunder took the win 45-70. And that ends our uh, news roundup for the week. So... Uh... Goodbye and have a good week. Bye. Goodbye. And now for the obituaries. Alan Arnold passed away on 6th of January. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 11th of February at 12.15. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for epilepsy action may be placed in the collection box available at the service or sent by cheque directly to the charity. Inquiries to the Cooperative Funeral Care. Pamela Finch passed away peacefully on January the 9th. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 18th of February at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to Dementia UK. Cynthia Ann Haslam, née Lane, peacefully passed away on Wednesday the 12th of January. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 17th of February at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, can be left in the donation box provided for St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to A.V. Band Funeral Directors, Worcester. Patricia Pat Eileen Brooks passed away suddenly on the 13th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Wednesday the 9th of February at 10.45am followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Robert Joseph Leonard passed away on Friday the 14th of January. Funeral service will take place on Wednesday the 9th of February at 10am at the Vale Crematorium, 
with refreshments and teas and coffees available from 11.30am onwards at the Bedwardine St John's. Family flowers only, any donations to St Richard's Hospice. Diana Dye Audrey Lynch passed away peacefully on the 21st of January. Funeral service to be held on Wednesday the 16th of February at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to Acorns Children's Hospice. All inquiries to AV Band. Philip Johnson, due to several family members currently isolating with coronavirus, we have decided to rearrange Philip's funeral. A celebration of Philip's life will now take place on Friday the 25th of February at the Vale Crematorium, Pershaw, at 4pm and to follow at the Barclay Arms in Worcester. Please wear navy and white or WBA clothing shirt, no black. Family flowers only, all other contributions to bernardos.org.uk or collection will be available at the service on the day. Richard Bolter passed away suddenly on the 23rd of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 9th of February at 2.30. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons. Jeff Stewart passed away peacefully on the 25th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, February the 11th at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please. All inquiries and donations for the Salvation Army and the British Legion to Bedwardine Funeral Services. And Ronald Parker, known as Ron, passed away peacefully on the 26th of January. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 22nd of February at 3.15. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, may be given for St Richard's Hospice and SSAFA. For any inquiries, please contact Malvern Cooperative Funeral Care. Jean Barton passed away peacefully on Friday, February the 4th. A funeral service will be held at the Vale Crematorium on Friday, February the 25th at 3pm. No dress code. No flowers, please. Donations in Jean's memory are invited for St Richard's Hospice. These may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw. Iris Rosemary Yeomans passed away peacefully on the 28th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 16th of February at 1.45pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Alison May Reynolds passed away peacefully on the 31st of January. The funeral will be held at St Thomas's Church, Crown East, Worcester, on the 22nd of February at 2.30pm. No flowers, please, but donations can be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Service, Worcester. Kathleen Phyllis Hawker, Cassie, passed away peacefully on the 1st of February. 
Funeral service at St Peter's Church, Powick, on Wednesday the 16th of February at 11am. Flowers or donations, if desired, for St Peter's Church. Please make cheques payable to Powick PCC. May be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, Worcester. A collection plate will also be available at church. Our thoughts and prayers go to the family and friends of all the deceased.